0: Welcome to this episode of the Afrin podcast live here in Sham El Sheikh, Egypt, on the sidelines of the COP27 event. And now I have the great honor and privilege to present to you Fisher Sunase, who is an interesting team lead among the nuclear delivery team here, talking about and bringing the people the nuclear conversation. And Fisher Sunase has moved. And transition in an interesting way from Africa to Canada. And he's also a local lead for the uh, North American young generation in nuclear there in Ontario, Canada. Vishesh will give us an interesting conversation about his journey and also a call to action for everyone uh, that uh, has the climate in mind and also how we can all decarbonize and also an interesting time we had during the meeting, uh, the high power meeting with uh, President Biden uh, in COP 27. Please listen up and have a very enriching time. Uh, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. And uh, I'm very pleased to meet you, uh, Mr. Vishesh. You've been very active in the nuclear community, and um, I thought it very, um, um, very appropriate and uh, to have a moment with you and um, to get your view on uh, the happenings during this um, very auspicious event in Shamel El Sheikh, Egypt. So. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how yeah you're coming to cop 27 came about Uh, Thank
1: you, Jerry, for the invitation. Uh, Happy to share my experience with uh, your audience. So I'm actually born in Mauritius, uh, an island uh, southeast of Madagascar. Um, Now I'm based in Canada. It's been 10 years since I'm there. So I started my career in uh, the nuclear industry. And basically, I I started to get involved in uh, public advocacy about nuclear because uh, when I was... Back home in Mauritius, uh, I never knew much about nuclear energy and uh, the, the impact it has on uh, solving climate change and it can be part of the solution. And uh, that's why I decided to join uh, basically uh, an advocacy group called North American Young Generation in Nuclear, where now I'm the president of a local chapter in Ontario. Uh, where we go to a lot of universities, uh, high schools to ex- to explain people about climate change and how nuclear can play a part in it. And uh, this year, I took a, a step further and wanted to get involved with Nuclear for Climate, where I was part of the delivery team, uh, putting together uh, the program, uh, the volunteers uh, for uh, for COP 27. And uh, yeah, this is my first COP and it's been going great. I, I can't imagine the impact it had on people uh, speaking to different types of groups, for example, climate activists, uh, policymakers, or even head of states,
0: where we get to explain Uh, The world nuclear Uh, hasn't it? Fantastic. I'm going to come to that um, aspect of um, the people you like uh, interacted with, including the head of states, the uh, President Biden. Uh, But before that, uh, you talked about coming from Mauritius. My knowledge of Mauritius is like a tourist destination, right? Where people just go and relax and enjoy their money. And uh, how you kind of picked interests in nuclear and its impact on climate. I kind of wonder, like. How do you think this translates to your community? Like, okay, maybe someday, sometime, maybe maybe when you get old, you might want to go back to your roots or your community where you come from. I'm kind of wondering, is there any take-home? And, like, is there going to be any kind of... Um, Uh, ripple effect this is going to have in your community back home when you come back and maybe do you have any plan maybe that you have maybe to have maybe and maybe a home-based program you you are doing wonderfully well like being the president of a local chapter of um not not american young generation in nuclear so you go about doing outreaches and stuff like that i'm very sure you do a lot of things to sensitize people about the benefits of nuclear so i'm wondering like well, how is going to, uh, like, your involvement going to impact um, the community back home, you know, being part of Africa? Am I right?
1: For sure, yes. I love my island, Mauritius. And when you look at climate change, it's not specific to a country. It's 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 a global issue that you are facing today. So what's happening in one country affects other countries. So we've seen a lot happening In 2022 with, for example, um, the flooding in uh, Pakistan, the extreme drought in some African countries, uh, the heat wave in Europe um, or even the wildfires in uh, North America. So all countries are being impacted and my my island, Mauritius. It's no different when you think about it. Mauritius is as a small island development state, so it's in the middle of of the ocean in the Indian Ocean and we all know global warming, climate change what causes is sea level rise so the impact it will have on fishing, on coral reefs or even like warmer temperatures what that can have and we've all seen in the IPCC reports that shows different impacts that uh, a rising temperature can have for example the model scenarios at 1.5 degrees C 2 degrees C, 3 degrees C, uh, what that can have on inland lives on also ocean lives. And ocean lives is very impacted, maybe more impacted, because uh, a small degree change can change coral reef. And what that affects is people there, the tourism industry, Mauritius is big on tourism industry, and uh, and so basically what I do, even if I'm in Canada, like advocating for nuclear as a low carbon energy and a clean energy alongside solar and wind uh, to complement those two renewables, uh, it will have a huge impact because when you think about what's happening with how much coal, is produced from electricity. So, for example, right now fossil fuels is responsible for 63% of the global energy production and uh, nuclear is only 10%. And, and, and with the air pollution that's happening today, uh, it's it's being estimated 6 to 7 million people uh, die consequent to the air pollution. So if you replace these uh, dirty polluting sources with clean sources such as nuclear to complement wind and solar means that you are solving a big part of the climate change problem.
0: That, that's that's very correct and um, it's good. It, it goes to confirm the fact that um, a lot of people actually know the the right solution but uh, they tend to kind of follow the money and um, we had uh, the, the like the the most economic gain comes from i take example of um, the u.s uh you know uh, the economic reasons why they shut down the reactors in some places was because it was like no more uh, kind of viable to keep them running not because of the safety or anything or because they cannot run any further but mainly because of economics you know so because the shale gas was now more like um economically like um, more viable like to explore the shale gas and stuff like that so this brings me to the question of uh, the coming of uh, some very important leaders to COP27 uh, which is uh, the coming of President Biden of US and you were very privileged to be in the group where he was can you like uh, first maybe just explain to us how the scenario and uh, and the, the feeling was in the first place you know being uh, in the group where the president is you know for me i will like have some like kind of euphoric feeling you know so how are you able to like like contain yourself in the first place before we we'll delve into the details of the conversation in that group uh, first of all uh, it's a
1: privilege uh, enough to be at cop 27 uh, we were just briefing our nuclear for climate team and we were saying only 30,000 people out of 7 billion people can come to cop Which is 0.0004% So I already feel privileged enough And now uh, I had this amazing opportunity Even the second day I was able to go to the plenary session Where each uh, uh, country leaders were giving their national statement And watch about 25 of them uh, making their national pledges to uh, in their country to solve climate change and then um, uh, the fir- the Thursday of the first week of cop I uh, got this amazing opportunity to go and see a special address by the United States President Biden uh, first of all coming from uh, Mauritius again that's you've always seen uh, President speeches on TV So going there was something I never Imagined I would be going um, It's uh uh, I feel happy that I was there. I listened to him. He made some uh, good pledges in terms of financial commitment, in terms of uh, collaboration with uh, African countries, including Egypt, uh, where COP is right now. Uh, he spoke about his national policies in energy in terms of the Inflation Reduction Act that he made. Uh, so happy to be there. And again, as you said, uh,
0: Uh, quite a pleasure which I would never imagine yeah Yeah. very fantastic I mean like that euphoric moment when you you get to meet with the I mean like the world leaders and uh, sometimes you just forget about what's the right thing, the, ro- the reason why you were there and, but uh, thanks to your being uh, able to be composed to get the real facts so this brings me to the question of um, his uh, statements during this meeting like uh, a lot of things he said bothered about, bothered about Africa like the funds that were released like uh, promised kind of and uh these monies will come to africa i don't know the figures you are going to tell us so can you like give us a breakdown like an overview of like the the, a capture of the kind of um, maybe declarations he made uh, that borders on Africa and how it wants to like hopes to decarbonize the African energy mix and towards reaching the the um, net zero goal and also the energy transition plans and all that. Can you like give us like those figures like uh, that we're giving and then or perhaps like get a picture or a view from you on how you think uh, the African leaders or the 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 donors of this money can get the best banks for their box uh I mean like in this regard
1: uh sure yeah, happy to share that and uh, two, two things I take away from his speech concerning collaboration with Africa uh, first, he spoke a lot about uh methane reduction, so fifty percent methane being Uh, Another greenhouse gas uh, having more uh, warming power than uh, carbon dioxide, than CO2. And uh, basically he spoke about an alliance of 130 countries which will commit to reduce methane uh, by 30% based on the 2005 levels, I believe. So that's a big thing that includes African countries as well, because short term, especially because uh, methane is more short lived than uh, CO2. Yeah, uh, that will go a long way. Yeah. A second thing I, I, I heard uh, from his statement is collaboration with Egypt and uh, I believe a 500 million dollar uh, package, uh, alongside Germany, who will be helping Egypt, uh, add 10 gigawatts of uh, renewables to their grid and yeah. uh, phase out 5 gigawatts of, of uh, fossil. Okay. Uh, that's a big one. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I spoke a lot about the U.S. committing to helping countries uh, get to that $100 billion uh, goal by 2024, he said. Okay. U.S. won't shy away from that. Okay. Uh, so that's a big statement. So of course, it's it's important because even you speaking of Africa or even Mauritius, some of these countries, their uh, their carbon emission is percentage wise is very mm-hmm. low, but the impact may be more to them. Yeah. Uh, so it's important that countries that can provide the support provide the support because it's it's a global problem so we can't work in silos countries can't say okay i'll look for myself other countries will look for themselves because some countries in africa and i've spoken to a lot of of uh, activists of people especially in africa who comes and to us in our booth and say yeah we have global warming but at the same time for us it's energy access for all in some countries have less than 60% of the people having access to energy uh, met a, someone from Peru who uh, even said yeah and in her community like sometimes there's still uh, no lights at certain time uh, so we need to we need to use that money to help uh, people Because that's one of the goals of the UN, right? The Sustainable Development Goal 7, like clean, affordable energy access for
0: all. And uh, that's uh, really important. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a very wonderful um, declaration by uh, the President of the United States of America, President uh, Biden. And um, this kind of... um, funds or package are not coming for the first time and um, but the challenge is how they are being utilized by the the leaders that these funds go to. So um, I kind of got a tip of how best in the previous episode I had with Professor Wei-jen Lee from University of Texas kind of gave a very good model of how best to use these funds or maybe get the best results and that's kind of um, a kind of ownership model or a localization model where you get the private investors uh, where people do it as business like okay you want to get this money from us so yes we are going to give it to you but how do you hope to own this like do it as a business like okay you are en- offering energy as a service not just like giving it free of charge to the people who need them the most but having a way of them paying for it even if it is in a very small way but uh, that way they are able to own it and say okay yes this is ours then we are going to manage it when it goes bad we will make efforts to fix it and all that so when it comes to nuclear technology. Uh, the 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 scenario is a little bit different, you know. It's not what individuals like a community can say. Okay, but i hope that the community the nuclear community can find a way that there will be like a kind of um, very close feeling like people will will want to personally contribute to a maybe nuclear power plant to their community and maybe have a sense of ownership to it somehow because uh in some cities i understand in the u.s uh where one of the nuclear power plants was closed like i think that should be the the Indian point one where um, the community used to have the six million dollars benefits for the nuclear power plants being in the community so now about half of that has been cut off by the closure of that plant so the the municipality has to seek for how to like replace this shortfall as a result of the close which means there's a kind of ownership the local jobs that's the presence of the nuclear power plants provides, uh, seem to be, like, um, like removed when there is a closure and stuff like that. So there is an ownership already. There is already kind of a process that the local people are already benefiting from it. So this brings me to kind of um, this uh, last aspect of um, this uh, kind of uh, session with you. Uh, you have been in COP since the beginning, and... Uh, you have been like up and doing, like working with a team of international people. Uh, can you like maybe uh, tell me maybe the challenges, the benefits and like like what are the feelings and also the lessons you have learned so far from the interactions you've had from people from different climes, you know, so and how that impacts uh, maybe uh, your um, career and also your being in the industry going forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great experience again. Uh,
1: it's uh, I'm used to going to nuclear conferences, so this was my probably my first non-nuclear conference that I went. So when you go to nuclear conferences, you're speaking with people in your bubble, right? Yeah, yeah. But now you're speaking to people not in your bubble. So if you speak to 10 people in a nuclear conference, Sorry, if you speak to the one people in a non-nuclear conference like COP, that's equivalent to speaking to about 10, 15 people in a nuclear conference. Because the impact you're having, you're, you're telling them stuff they didn't know. Yeah. Which they can bring that to yeah. bring back to the organization and community. Yeah. So this is so much more effective. But yeah, speaking to hundreds of people over the two weeks have been great. Different regions, different cultures, different way of thinking. Some were challenged, some conversation, yeah, were challenging, uh didn't agree, but we are all there for the same reason, right? We are all all there to uh, talk about how we can uh, collaborate and uh, uh, the for the climate. Yeah. We are all there for the climate. Yeah. And, and different conversation yeah and for example, I can tell you uh, some people came in with uh, even climate activists. Uh, Or policymakers came in with, oh, they didn't know nuclear energy has so much impact, but some other people just came in and said, yeah, they still don't agree, even though the science said it, the scientists who have been peer-reviewed reports uh, have been vetted with countless years of research. Uh, They say no, and uh, some people come in, they say they have, uh, for example, uh, just to give you an example, there was a lady from Japan came in, she said she agrees nuclear is a great way of energy, but she said she lived close to Fukushima. Wow uh, so that's traumatic for her right okay. so how can she support nuclear even though she knows that yeah. it's a clean of energy mm. so it's like hearing those different perspectives which i've I've, I've never ha- have that reach before yes going to mm. schools universities but at cop everyone cares for the climate, but mm. like some people. Uh, it, it's it's great speaking and having the different perspective, hearing the two sides of the table. And one thing I can tell you, like most people uh, with fears or who are against it, uh, it's common. Like the one thing they speak about is the waste. What are we doing with yeah. the waste? So, yeah. And the second thing is... Uh, as equally as the waste is like the safety is it safe and right and so that's why we do nuclear for climate has a great set of volunteers to explain yeah all that right kind of the education piece and I, to be honest I don't blame the, these people asking fair questions yeah because I was asking the same question back then yeah so uh, that's why we are here and that's why we've had a presence since cop 21. Uh, and it's been the team has been growing, growing, the impact has been growing and uh,
0: yeah, it's a nuclear for climate great, organ- a great organization to be involved with. It's fantastic, uh, uh, Vishesh, it has been an amazing time with you, and um, your um, contributions to the uh, nuclear for climate community and uh, the delivery team has been unequalled. You've been almost like ubiquitous; like you, we find you anywhere. You know, <laughs> like uh, I mean, in addition to what you said about the people coming to understand the benefits of nuclear, like in one of those occasions in the mini when I was in the mini booth, uh, one man who claimed who said. That he is an uh, environmentalist came owning up actually that oh, I have this inner sensitive feeling that nuclear is really uh, a good shot to helping uh, meeting the climate um, action goals and all that but uh, and uh, furtherance to that I made an illustration of um, a proverb an african proverb kind of like when a mother goat is eating and the little goat is beside it uh, when it's the time for the little goat to eat it tends to eat uh, more than the mother goat and not maybe filter out what not to eat and what to eat so the case of this man coming to own up is like a mother goat who knows the real deal you know so and uh, for him to come out and say it openly to the nuclear community means that a lot of people who are a kind of environmentalist, understands the benefits of nuclear and its position to helping meet that uh, decarbonization goal. But because of the larger and maybe some people that shout the most, maybe they tend to go quiet. And that's a very important thing why we, the nuclear community, need to be here to give that needed voice so that the people can also be bold who understand why we stand and the benefits, the world stands to benefit uh, to get from nuclear. So it's been a very amazing time with you, Vishesh. I wonder if you have any last words or sentence or phrase for the uh, listeners to this um, episode or to the podcast in general, like uh, following the COP27 in Sheikh, and also for the nuclear community. If you have any like last sentence or words you want people to hold on to.
1: Yeah, and uh, we are here. Like we, we are lucky enough to be at COP, but my call to action to every one of you is... We are all, like climate change is real, so see what you can do in your community in terms of advocacy, in terms of being involved, in terms of action, doesn't have to be nuclear. But see what you can do, and it's, it's amazing, because cause this is a real, this is real, and believe me, I, I didn't know the impact we could have before being involved, so what I will ask you, find an organization, if it's nuclear, great, right? But if it's something else, see
0: what you can do for the climate. All right. Thank you. See what you can do. And I hope that we all see that we can do better than we have been doing. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Afri New Podcast. And I hope to be with you some other time. Thank you.